What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Welcome back, Tale of the Tapes podcast. This is the '90s intro. Today we have Lord Finesse and Everlast. So first of all, welcome back, man. We're still smack in the middle of the golden age of hip-hop, and we're entering not only my personal favorite era of hip-hop, but without a doubt, the most eagerly anticipated decade since I started doing this study, the 90s. So I would like to quickly address how people are still continuing to misunderstand what's happening here and still accusing me of being biased and all this type of shit. So... Somebody was basically saying that's had too much bias and and when in reality, other than the handful of things that I named in the intro, which are completely 100% unavoidable, there are no biases or opinions involved in this at all. So after talking to this dude, and it's not just one dude, there's a couple of dudes, but after talking to this dude for a while, I had him turn around and tell me that just the fact that I have all these categories as an equal weight is bias because he deems like say lyrical skill or whatever to be more important than maybe impact or something else like that. Now, first of all, I spoke about in the intro how if there was anything that anybody was going to disagree with, it could possibly be my categories or whatever like that. Now, I feel that in these five categories that I have listed that you can incorporate anything into one of those categories. I had somebody saying that their voice should be a category. I was like, bro, I can't make their voice be a category because I may hear someone's voice and hate it and you may hear someone's voice and like it. I can't give this guy a bad score in his voice category because I didn't like the way his voice sounded. So the point that I'm trying to make is that somebody's voice will be incorporated into this, but there's no voice category. Your voice is going to come into originality. If you come on a track and say one word and everybody knows right away instantaneously exactly who that is, probably have a pretty original voice or a pretty original delivery or whatever way you want to put it. So Again, the more original your voice is, the more different your voice is and all that type of shit, the more that that's going to factor into your originality score. So anyway, back to what I was saying about the other conversation that I was having is he deems skill to be more important than like impact or whatever like that. And the thing is, that's his opinion. But if my bias and my opinions would be involved, I would agree. I don't, I don't disagree with that dude at all. To me, lyrics is the number one thing. Like if I had to separate things and, and say, you know, who's the best rapper. Now, does somebody that's the best lyrically automatically mean that they're the best rapper? It doesn't. That's the whole point of this story. But if you were asking me personally, I'm going with lyrics, man. Like that, there's nothing like that to me. You know, I mean, if somebody comes on a track and murders something to a certain degree or a certain extent, nothing else really matters to me. You know, like a lot of other things are cool and all that, but you could be acapella or on, you know, a half-ass beat or have shitty quality on your record. 
if you go hard enough on that song, I'm still going to listen to it. I mean, that's just me and that's my opinion. But again, that's the point of this whole thing is that if my bias and my opinions were involved in this, then these things wouldn't be an equal score because I would have lyrics being the most important thing. But then you will have somebody that takes an artist like LL Cool J, for example, who's nowhere near the best lyricist ever and make the argument that he's the greatest rapper of all time based mostly on his impact and things like that. And again, I can't really argue with that. I mean, I guess at this point, now that I've sat down and studied certain things, I, I do have some credentials and some findings here that do allow me to kind of debate with people with a little bit more of a sturdy leg to stand on. But before I started doing this, I couldn't prove to somebody that LL Cool J wasn't the greatest rapper of all time. What was I going to say? Oh, this crooked eye and this guy and that guy is, is all better than LL Cool J. Well, lyrically, yeah. But you have to factor in all the things that LL Cool J did for hip-hop and all his accomplishments and things like that. So, again, that's the point of the whole thing is that I don't think these things are even, but we're going to just say that they're even. So that way the guy that thinks the impact is more important and the guy that thinks the lyrics are more important and the guy that thinks this is more important, none of that shit matters. They're all worth the same amount here. We're taking all of it away. We're taking everything into consideration that everybody has a valid point. You have a valid point saying LL Cool J is the greatest rapper of all time, mostly based on the things that he accomplished. So I took that into equal consideration with his lyrics, with his songs, with his albums, with his originality, things like that. And he doesn't come out as the greatest rapper of all time. So that's that. And also I want to talk about something quickly before we go forward. I want to announce that I will no longer be playing a song from an artist and breaking it down each week. And there's a lot of reasons why I'm not going to continue to do this. Number one, technically, it's illegal. Number two, it's super time-consuming. Number three, the main point of doing it is to see how different songs and different verses are judged and how there's different rhyme styles and things that are easy to do and things that are not easy to do or things that are super difficult or things that are super rare or super original and stuff like that. And we've already covered like 55, you know, artists. So, I mean, we've probably listened to over 50 songs. I think the general gist has been gotten, but what I will do is a song breakdown for any artists that finish inside of the top 10. And this is going to continue to go along. So in reality, when all this is done, you're probably going to get another 25 to 50 song breakdowns here. Because when they finish in the top 10, you know, right here in a couple of months or something, that doesn't mean they're going to stay in the top 10. So then you would have gotten a song from a guy who, say, maybe finished in 30 or something like that anyway. So you're going to wind up getting more than 10. But when they finish in the top 10, when we cover them in the podcast... Then I will play a song and I will break it down. A couple of reasons for that. I feel like that way it keeps it intriguing. Like you don't really know if a song is going to get played on the episode or not. And also it increases the odds of the song being on the better side. And gives like the top guys an extra slot to shine. Which I, th I think that's fair and warranted. I mean you know everything's an even playing field in this study. But there are guys who clearly are head and shoulders a lot better in 
every single aspect of hip hop than other guys are. So I think it's fair that now, you know, now that we've done like 50 songs and stuff like that, I think it's fair that we just give the top guys the song breakdowns from now on. They'll probably just wind up being better songs. We'll probably see more different stuff. And I'm not going to just sit around and break down possibly shitty bars every week. If you'd like to hear that, you're obviously always more than welcome to go back and listen to any episode in the 80s. There's a song breakdown on every episode. So that's out of the way. And before we go anywhere, we're talking about the 90s. I have a quick announcement to make. When I started this and all throughout the first season, I stated many times that these numbers are not set in stone and they're subject to change at any moment for a number of different reasons. Well, some change happened. The Sugar Hill Gang's song score was lowered by 0.4 as they were given another weak song which moved them down from being in 48th to being in 58th place both because of them sliding back and because some artists that I've done since we covered Sugar Hill Gang on the podcast have finished ahead of them. So with everything that's gone on from January, you know, last January until now, They've slid back 10 slots. Now, I'm not going to always announce when somebody slides back because obviously, naturally, you know that every time I finish somebody else, somebody's got to slide back. Even if they finish in next to last, the last place guy's got to slide back. So unless they finish in last, which I don't see anybody finishing below the guy that's there now, uh, I won't spoil who that is, but I'm not even going to say anything on it. We'll we'll cover him in not too long, actually. Um, But... I'm just bringing it up now because their score was actually changed. It wasn't just that other people finished in front of them. Their score was actually changed. But I figured if I was going to let you know that their score was actually changed and let you know that they slid back 10 slots, I figured I would let you know why it is also because other people finished ahead of them. So I just wanted to get that out of the way before we dive into the 90s. So without further ado, as we get into the 90s, Let's not forget where we came from and who paved the way, honestly, because this is a big thing in hip-hop. Everybody knows this. I mean, you you know, you've had some of the newer generation get a little bit disrespectful with some of the older guys and stuff like that. But listen, man, a lot of these people are on drugs and, you know, they're kind of living this crazy type of lifestyle. And a lot of these dudes will even say vocally, I'm not a rapper or anything like that. So, you know... When they keep getting shit saying like, oh, but what about Biggie or what about this or what about that? I mean, I guess it's natural that, you know, a younger dude is going to lash out and kind of say something stupid. But in general, in hip hop, man, we're big on the legends. We're big on the people that paved the way and, you know, all the things like that. So as we go into the 90s, in season one, we had 23 episodes and covered 55 artists. I'd like to acknowledge all of them who made the cut, and let's run off our final list of rappers who debuted in the 1980s in order of where they finished, especially considering that there was one slight change that I announced earlier. In the number one spot of the 1980s, KRS-One, two, Slick Rick, three, Rakim, four, Run from Run DMC, five, LL Cool J, six, Will Smith, Tied for 7th, DMC from Run DMC and Ice Cube. In 9th, Big Daddy Kane. 10, Chuck D. 11, Guru. 12, Cool Mo D. 13, Heavy D. Tied for 14th place, Ad Rock, Mike D, and MCA of the Beastie Boys. In 17th, Tretch of Naughty by Nature. 
18, Queen Latifah. In a five-way tie for 19th place, we have Melly Mel, Keith Cowboy, and Scorpio of the Furious Five. And we also have MC Light and Vinrock from Naughty by Nature, all tied for 19th place. Tied for 24th place is Kid Creole and Raheem, also from the Furious Five. In 26th, we got Bismarcky, 27, MC Ren from NWA, 28, Cool G Rap, 29, Cool Rock Ski of the Fat Boys. Tied for 30th, we have Master G, Wonder Mike, and Big Bang Hank of the Sugar Hill Gang. In 33rd, we got Jazzo, 34, Eric Sermon, 35, Prince Marky D of the Fat Boys. Tied for 36th, we have Africa Baby Bam of the Jungle Brothers and Willie D. Tied for 38th, we have Mike G of the Jungle Brothers and Freddie Fox. In 40th, we have the DOC. In a three-way tie for 41st, we have Salt and Pepper and MC Shan. In 44th, Ice T. 45, Arabian Prince from NWA. 46th, Curtis Blow. 47th, Spoonie G. 48th, D Nice of Boogie Down Productions. 49th, MC Search of Third Base. 50th, Dougie Fresh. 51st, Special Ed. 52nd, Pete Nice of Third Base. 53rd, Vanilla Ice. 54th, Professor Griff of Public Enemy. And in last place of the 80s, ladies and gentlemen, MC Hammer. So just shout outs to all these guys, man. All these guys are legends, paved the way. Um, you know, that's the opening decade, really, of hip-hop right there. Maybe it's not really where hip-hop started. I, I know that, you know, hip-hop in general goes back way far. And then it really started being, like, documented and recorded, like, in the 70s and done at parties a little bit more often and stuff like that. But 1980 is really where you find the, f the first hip-hop albums that were released. So... A lot of these guys are, are just legends, man. Really paved the way for everything that we're about to get into from here on forward. Um, so just shout out to all of them, man, regardless of where they finish. Because remember now that people had to make the cut. So I understand that MC Hammer is in last, but he made the cut. I'm sure there was a lot more than 55 people who rapped in the 1980s. So Hammer might be last here, but Hammer is still in front of a lot of people. So I just want to give all these guys a shout out for sure. Give them their due credit. Now, again, these numbers are always subject to change. But heading into the 90s, that's where we stand. So without further ado, let's get the 90s popping. The first artist that we have in 1990 is Lord Finesse. His birth name is Robert Hall Jr., born February 19th, 1970. Origins, the Bronx, New York. Genres, hip-hop, and years active are listed as 1989 to present. Now, Lord Finesse hasn't had anything anytime recently. I actually believe his last album was in like 1996. But Lord Finesse is also a producer. So, I definitely don't know what Lord Finesse has been doing behind the scenes. And I don't know what he's been doing production-wise and stuff like that. So, I'm sure that active status is warranted. A little bit of background on Lord Finesse. Lord Finesse, born Robert Hall Jr., February 19, 1970, is an American rapper and hip-hop record producer from the Bronx, New York, best known as the leader of the DITC crew. About.com ranked him number 29 on its list of the top 50 hip-hop producers. 
So for anybody that doesn't know who DITC is, that's di digging in the crates crew. That was with um, Fat Joe, Lord Finesse, uh, Big L, AG. Uh, who else was in there? Um, damn, shame on me for forgetting some of the names. Uh, there was a couple of other guys in there, but really dope crew actually to dig in the crates crew. A lot of really, really good lyricists in that group. Um, we'll get to covering a couple more of those guys down the line. They didn't come out as a, as an official group and stuff like that, you know, the way that some other groups did, like uh, Mob Deep and, and things like that. DITC was more of a thing that was formed after people had come out. Some people, you know, not everybody was out before DITC, but they weren't the starting point. So let's get into what I wrote down about Lord Finesse when I listened to him. I knew of Lord Finesse mainly through Big L, which is odd because Finesse came out first. But I had never sat down and listened to one of his albums. He was certainly well above average lyrically and got better with each album. Not only did he have an incredible amount of dope punchlines and metaphors, but he was one of the first rappers to really be consistent with rhyming a lot of syllables as opposed to just one or two. Now, I want to be clear on what I'm saying here. Lord Finesse is not the first person to rhyme more than one syllable. I couldn't tell you who the very first person to do that the very first time on a record was. I do know that people like Will Smith and Cool G Rap and people like that really started to make it a little bit more common to where people were noticing like, wow, they're, they're pretty good at rhyming a lot of syllables. But Lord Finesse kind of just constantly did it. So like I said, I'm not saying that he's the originator of it. But I am saying that he was one of the first couple of people to really do it like almost every time. It's rare that Lord Finesse had a single syllable rhyme is the point that I'm trying to make. It wasn't just something that he did. It wasn't just something that he did regularly. It was something that he did the majority of the time. So I just wanted to make that clear. My only knock on him at all lyrically was that for the most part, he always rhymed in the same style. Of his albums released, the first one was average, the second one was good, and the third one was great. Unfortunately, those were the only three albums Finesse ever dropped, and although he didn't have any great songs in his short career, 12 of his 38 songs were good, and none of them were weak. Lord Finesse may not be one of the biggest names throughout hip-hop history, but if you look at other artists, it's clear who a lot of people were listening to. I was surprised to see particularly how many lines Big L took from Finesse, considering that they were in the same clique. I never heard a word of this from anyone, and yet L always seemed to get more credit for these same lines than Lord Finesse ever did when he said them. He also had clear influences on other artists such as The Locks, Nas, Helter Skelter, and many others. There wasn't anything particularly standout about Lord Finesse as far as his image or message, but he certainly didn't seem to be a follower and made up for it with his song topics and rhyme style. So let's get into the math of what I just said. Lyrics, he gets a 7. He was definitely dope lyrically. A lot of, lot of punchlines, a lot of metaphors. Uh, almost every bar was something pretty good, especially later on in his career. Albums, he gets a 4.07 with zero classics. Songs he gets a zero. We spoke about there was no great songs and no weak songs. And unfortunately, man, only, you know, three albums and only a total of 38 songs. So, I mean, there really wasn't too much there. I'm not saying that he couldn't have had a great song, but he just never really had that opportunity to gain traction and get to a point where 
he started banging out a great song every couple of songs. He, you know, he had the three albums very close to each other and then nothing, you know, since, which was 24 years ago. Impact, he gets a six and a half. Now, again, Lord Finesse is one of those guys where he's a little bit more of an underground type of guy, really in the sense that he didn't really make like commercial type tracks. He really didn't make anything that was like radio friendly. He was really all about his lyrics for the most part and stuff like that. And he never really like sold out or, or did anything different to get on the radio or to gain like major commercial success. But that being said, if you talk to some of these old school guys and you talk to some of these underground dudes or, or some dudes that were in ciphers and, and doing things like this and, you know, like real hip hop fans and stuff, everybody will tell you Lord Finesse is dope. Lord Finesse was definitely a dope MC for sure. And on top of that, he was in DITC, which I'm not saying was a major movement. You know, it wasn't like Wu-Tang or anything crazy like that, but DITC definitely had some boss spitters in there. And, you know, Big L and Fat Joe, two pretty big names right there. Unfortunately, Big L was killed very early on into his career and he was young and, you know, that never really got off the ground the way it should have. But, you know, Lord Finesse still part of a pretty legendary crew in its own right. And also on top of that, like I said, you know, not a huge list of names. You know, you got the Locks, Nas, Helter Skelter. There was a couple of others in there too. Not a huge list of names. But we also had the scenario with Big L who really, you know, Big L is really revered as from by a lot of people as one of the greatest rappers of all time. And if not, one of the best lyricists of all time. And, I, you know, I challenge you to go back and listen to... Uh, a lot of Lord Finesse songs and then go listen to a lot of Big L songs and you'll see what I'm talking about because I'm not saying that every dope line Big L had was from Lord Finesse by any means but there were definitely some dope lines that Lord Finesse said that you know Big L either said verbatim you know whether that's a big up to his boy or whatever the case is or he changed the wording a little bit but same principle same concept and you know, listen, I get it, man. Big L had the appeal, and I'm not trying to knock anybody here, and Lord Finesse never seemed to be bothered by it from what I've, you know, seen of him in interviews and research and all that I read up on him and things like that. I, I never saw any any type of animosity from Lord Finesse, so I'm certainly not bothered by it, but it, it was just a little bit odd to me how one guy, you know, you got two guys in the same crew. Imagine this. Two guys in the same crew. And guy A says a line and really, you know, nothing ever comes of his career, like majorly. He never had the success that Big L had. He never really even had the recognition that Big L had. Like I said, talk to hip hop heads. They'll tell you Lord Finesse is dope. But he never had like the the mainstream appeal and like, yo, it be he's one of the best lyricists ever. And then all of a sudden you have guy B in the same group start saying some of the same lines and everybody's like, holy shit, he's dope. So call it what you want, man. Whether it be the delivery, whether it be the way it was worded, whether it be the money that was put into the system, whether it be, you know, I mean, there's a hundred things you could blame it on. There's a hundred reasons you could come up as to why one man was more successful than the other. Maybe one man didn't want any of that success. Um, I, you know, I know what that's like. So, I mean, sometimes the offers are there and you just don't want them. And, and I, I totally get that. And I have respect for whatever anybody wants to do with their life and their career. But I just wanted to point out how, again, the impact wasn't huge, but it was definitely a fair amount higher 
than you're probably going to get from some of these underground bar spitter type dudes because of who he was involved with and because of some of the people that he influenced and stuff like that. And then for originality, he also gets a six and a half. Like I said, you know, there wasn't anything crazy about Lord Finesse. You know, it wasn't an ODB or a bizarre, uh, you know, with a shower cap or something crazy where you looked at Lord Finesse and you were like, yo, what's up with this dude? And he didn't have any, you know, he didn't really talk about a lot of things in his songs that I would say was totally different than what most other people feel. Um... So there wasn't anything overly original about him in those particular areas. But again, he never sold out. He never seemed to try to make any of the type of music that anybody else was making. You know, he didn't take much from other people. He definitely had some original song topics. And his rhyme style, it's not overly original, but he definitely had his own is what I'm trying to say. I I spoke earlier how... For me, it was a little bit repetitive how he kind of always rhymed in the same style. Like, every song was really just a bunch of punchlines. But that also alludes back to the originality that I'm speaking of here of how Lord Finesse did his thing. And that was what he did. And he didn't veer from that. So, I think he gets a a 6.5 in that category. Definitely above average. That's a warranted score. And he gets a final rating of 4.81. Which leaves him in 27th place overall of 126 artists done. So, big shout out to Lord Finesse, man. That That's not a bad finish at all. That'll probably leave him somewhere in the top 100 when this is all said and done. And, I mean, really, when you sit back and you talk about a guy who, you know, it didn't seem like he really went in any type of direction to get a major commercial success or things like that. I'm not saying that this guy didn't want anything or get anything out of hip hop. He, you know, he was, he was on the radio and stuff like that, but I just don't know that his goals were the same as some other people like maybe Jay-Z or Eminem had goals to really be this mainstream rich individual. So for somebody like that to finish in the top 100 or to finish where they're at right now, man, I mean, utmost respect for me, my hat's off to him. So shout out to Lord Finesse. I, I personally was a big fan. I, you know, like I said, I didn't know too much of him going in. I had heard him, but I really only just heard him. I heard him on Big L songs. I heard him on some DITC songs and things like that. I'd never listened to one of his albums. So I always, you know, thought Lord Finesse was dope. But when I sat down and listened to his albums, I was even more appreciative. So I liked him personally, which again, had nothing to do with my scoring, but just figured I'd throw it out there that I, I was a fan of Lord Finesse. Next, also in 1990, we got Everlast. Birth name, Eric Francis Schrode, also known as Whitey Ford. Born August 18th, 1969 in Long Island, New York, United States. Origins listed as Los Angeles, California, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, rock, blues, and country. For anybody that knows this guy or follows this guy or is a fan of this guy or even probably most people that are fans of Eminem probably know that Everlast doesn't just do hip-hop music. Um, He started out doing that and then he veered off into, you know, a little bit more rock and blues and country and he also did a mixture of all of these things, which we'll get into in a little bit, but I just wanted to you know, touch on why you're seeing hip-hop, rock, and blues, and country, and stuff like that, and his genres listed, and his years active are listed as 1989 to present, 
I will say basically the same thing about his active uh, status as, as I would with Lord Finesse. Now, I, I don't know that Everlast is out there making beats for anybody or anything like that, but I, I do know that he's still, you know, out there performing and doing shows and stuff like that. I don't know of any really new hip-hop albums that he has. He's put out albums, just not hip-hop albums. He hasn't had a hip-hop album in a while, but still actively making music, still performing, still touring, things like that. So let's get into a little bit of background on Everlast. Eric Francis Schrode, born on August 18th, 1969, known by his stage name Everlast, is an American musician, singer, rapper, actor, and songwriter known for his solo work and is the frontman for hip-hop group House of Pain. He was also part of the hip-hop supergroup La Coca Nostra, which consists of members of House of Pain and other rappers. In 2000, he received a Grammy Award for Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocal, with Latin rock band Santana for Put Your Lights On. So, again, with that background, you see a bunch of different things there. You see he's a musician, he's a singer, he's a rapper, he's an actor, he's a songwriter, and stuff like that. He's had a solo career. They touched on he was in the group House of Pain. He was in the other super group. Um, he received a Grammy Award, which wasn't for hip-hop. Or which wasn't for a hip-hop related thing. You know, his best rock performance and stuff like that. But still, you, you, you see a little bit there in his background. Kind of the same way you do when, when you look at uh, some of the facts about him. You know, with his genres and things like that. So a, a lot of different things there for Everlast. Now let's get into what I wrote down about him. Early in his career, Everlast was average. He started out with one solo album and then formed the group House of Pain, which took up five years of his career. Everlast eventually went on to continue his solo career and branch off into an awesome blend of different music genres. Later in his career, there was still the occasional lazy line or two, but for the most part, Everlast was pretty well above average lyrically. His storytelling was on point, and he did have some powerful lines. Four of his albums were classified as hip-hop albums. Two of the four albums were good, and the other two were average. Another thing he also didn't have was a single weak song of the 52 hip-hop songs that he released. He did, however, have, he did, however, have two great ones. Although people probably know the name House of Pain or Jump Around before they recognize Everlast, his impact on the hip-hop game was there in more ways than one, influencing the likes of Nas, Busta Rhymes, Eminem, Public Enemy, and others. As far as originality, Whitey Ford definitely made his own lane. From the way he dressed and sounded, to the type of music he made and his content, to being one of the few rappers to actually play instruments on his songs, it was all there. Now let's get into the math of what I wrote down there. Lyrics, he gets a six and a half. So, like I said in prior episodes, this is not a battle between Everlast and Lord Finesse. But I do like to just point out what scores each guy got so we can just keep in, into consideration who got what and things like that and why they finish where. So, not quite the same score as uh, Lord Finesse. Everlast gets a six and a half. Lord Finesse got a seven. Uh, both really, really good lyrically, though. Lord Finesse definitely had... A lot more one-liners and stuff like that. Everlast definitely got much better as time went on and had a little bit more material than Lord Finesse. And he really had a lot of deep things that he that he got into that was carried the brunt of his lyrical score there. Albums, he gets a 3.71 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a plus 0.38.
So we spoke about he had 52 hip-hop songs, and he had two great ones and no weak ones. Impact, he gets a 7. Now, that sounds high right off the bat for somebody who you probably really don't get too, too much of a reaction when you hear the name Everlast. So I know that that 7 sounds a little high, but hear me out. We obviously spoke about the name's influence now. Not a tremendous amount of names, but you got Nas, Busta Rhymes, Eminem, Public Enemy, and a couple others. So the names that are there are big names. And he was a part of the group House of Pain. Now, again, House of Pain is not Wu-Tang or something like that, where their impact is through the roof. They weren't this giant movement. I believe they had two albums. They were only around for about five years. But Jump Around in itself is an absolutely legendary hip-hop song. I mean, I don't I, I don't know anybody that doesn't know the song Jump Around, whether they listen to hip-hop or not. Now, that doesn't just turn around and give Everlast an insane score of a 9 because he had a, a huge song at one point, but he wasn't a one-hit wonder. He, he did have other songs that were commercially successful, maybe not quite as successful as that one, but he did have other commercially successful songs. And quite frankly, regardless of what commercial success he did or didn't have, I mean, he, he had some some great songs. He had some really good albums. So he certainly wasn't a one-hit wonder. But to be, you know, 50% of a group where they had that huge song, they did have a decent impact. And then, you know, to influence the likes of the people that he did and... Also, keep in mind a lot of other external factors to where now he got more points for originality in this than he did for impact, but I just, it was a little bit for impact. And I just want to point out how there's a bunch of things added up and that's how you come to the seven. You know, he did do a lot of other things for the genre. He blended the genre with other genres and that no doubt gets a different audience of people brought over and now listening to quote-unquote hip-hop albums where they probably have never listened to a hip-hop album before or would have never listened to a hip-hop album had it not been for Everlast. So again, I'm not trying to blow this out of proportion or make it like Everlast was one of the most influential and impactful MCs on hip-hop ever. He wasn't, but I think the seven, is, the 7 is warranted because when you really take into consideration all the things that were done, he had a decent impact. Again, nothing crazy or major, but it was there. It was probably more than than just meets the eye or the ear when you just think of the name Everlast off the top of your head. And originality, he gets an 8. Like I said, another scenario where it's not a bizarre or an ODB or somebody like that or, you know, a Bismarck E that you look at the guy and you're like, holy shit, man, this guy's out there, huh? But very original, man. I mean, maybe not as much in the very beginning, early on in his career, but, I mean, he clearly blossomed lovely, he started to blend different genres that had never been blended before, he certainly made his own type of music, he had his own approach, uh, he had some really original song topics and stuff like that, he, he was playing, you know, some of his own instruments on the, on the songs that he's rapping on and stuff like that, so, a lot of original stuff definitely done there, and now you add all those five scores up, and you divide by 5, and that gives you a final rating of 5.12, which is, 
which leaves Everlast in 14th place overall of 126 artists done. So again, man, shout out to Everlast. That's a hell of a finish, man. That's a hell of a finish. That should certainly put Everlast in the top 75 of all time. Um, I can't guarantee anything. Some of his scores could change. Some other people's scores could change. They could pass him. Guys are going to go in front of him. I understand all that. You know, maybe he finishes 150. I have no idea. But I, I would place a safe bet that Everlast is in that top 75 of all time, which... I probably wouldn't have put him there before doing this, but I mean, listen, man, you take all things into consideration and, you know, you, you write down what you hear, you write down what you see, you write down what was done, you leave everything on an even playing field and you, you let the math decide it for you. So shout out to Everlast, man. I mean, he, he did a hell of a job. He really did with, with a lot of different things, with blending genres, with, uh, you know, with his, his bars and his lyrical content. He had some great songs, some really good albums. The impact was there. The originality was there. I got I got nothing negative to say, really. Um, I, I was a fan, and he uh, he scored well. And I like to point that out because there's been other people that I'm a fan of that didn't score well, and there's been people that I didn't really enjoy at all listening to, and they did pretty good. So this was a little bit of both here for me, which is nice. It's nice when I get to listen to somebody, and I'm like, oh, this is dope. I'm enjoying this. And then when I get to the end and I just start adding up math and then I punch in a number and I say, oh shit, he did good. That's what's up. I'm happy. I enjoyed him. So now let's get into the list. We, we spoke about in season one how towards the end of the 80s, we were down to a top 20% listed at the end of each episode. And we spoke about how we go down to a top 15% when the 90s got here. So here we are doing a top 15% today. We're going to stay at a top 15% probably throughout all of the 90s. And then I'll probably go into like a top 10% as we enter the millennium. And the reason for this is you don't want these lists getting too out of control. We named the list in its entirety on the outro of season one for the 80s. We also named the list in its entirety again at the start here today. We just wanted to run it over one more time, see where everybody's at as we continue forward, go through all the legendary names that paved the way and stuff like that. And you don't want every list at the end of every episode to turn into, you know, if I keep it at at a 20%, you know, by the end of, of season two, you're going to be naming 75 guys at the end of every episode. And I don't think we want to keep hearing the same 75 names every week, so... We'll keep adjusting the percentage as we go along, but I think as we get into the millennium, we'll probably go to a 10% and we'll probably wind up finishing the show with like a 5%. That way when we get 400, 500 guys done, we're only still naming about 20 or 25 guys and things like that. So so the current top 15% final list as of today reads like this. We got KRS-One who's in sixth place of 126 artists done. Behind him, we got Slick Rick, who's in 8th place of 126 artists done. Directly behind him in ninth place is Rakim. Behind him is Rev Run of Run DMC, who's in 12th of 126 artists done. Directly behind Rev Run is LL Cool J in 13th. And directly behind him in 14th is Everlast. And then behind him, we have Will Smith who was moved back one slot by someone to 16th. So what I'm trying to tell you is that 
Will Smith was in like 14th or 15th overall. And I've finished somebody recently who finished in front of him that we haven't covered yet. So Will Smith was moved back. So he is, out of people we've covered so far, he is he's behind Everlast. But overall, he was moved back to 16th of 126 artists done. And then tied for the last spot here today, which is 8th, we have DMC of Run DMC, who was ousted down to, to tied for 19th by two members of the same group. There's a hint, hint. Okay, so two guys finished in front of DMC. They're both from the same group. I won't give up who it is. We will get into them this season, though. And also tied with DMC, we have Ice Cube. And DMC and Ice Cube are both tied for 19th of 126 artists done. So, shouts to Everlast for making the top 15%, man. We'll see how long he can hang in there as time goes on. And shouts to everybody in that top 15%, especially the dudes from the 80s hanging in there. I know that we're only one episode in on the next decade, but we did cover two solid artists here today. And we still got some dudes from the 80s hanging on to top spots here. So that deserves some recognition. You know, you still got like KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, and all these guys are still hanging up on these top slots after two big dogs clocked in today. So let's see how long that can last. We always do a top 10% lyrically. We'll still do a top 10% lyrically going forward. As this starts to get a little bit out of control, we'll probably change it down to a 9 at some point, but we're still good to go with a 10% here today. So, a top 10% lyrically reads like this. We still have KRS-One in our top slot, but Lord Finesse has tied him. They both have a 7. So, tied for the top slots is KRS-One and Lord Finesse with a 7. So, someone finally ties KRS-One after years at number 1. They didn't take the slot over but they did tie and then the whole rest of our list is a tie now we have a four-way tie for third place we got will smith rock him cool g rap and everlast all with six and a halfs now again i'm not going to point this out every single time going forward but i will point it out again right now because we've had an extended break and i just want to make sure that everybody's remembering how everything is going. Now, when I list those artists that are tied, both for first and third, KRS-One is listed ahead of Lord Finesse. Will Smith is listed ahead of Rakim, who's ahead of Cool G-Rap, who's ahead of Everlast. None of that has anything to do with who was better than who. Lord Finesse may have been a little... I'm not saying he was. I'm just trying to make a point. Lord Finesse may have been a little bit better than KRS-One lyrically, but not enough to get to a 7.5. And, and the reason that KRS-One's name is listed first is because he was out before Lord Finesse. So I'm just a big believer in things need to change, things need to evolve, things need to grow, things need to get better. If you're an artist from the 80s and your lyrical score is a 7, and now people are coming out in the 90s and the 2000s and tying you, you deserve to be listed first, bro. The fact that you were a 7 in an era where almost everybody else was a 5.5 or below is crazy. Lord Finesse is probably going to be one of many 7s in the 90s. And I'm not trying to shit on Lord Finesse. Great lyricist. I personally love his music. But he's not going to be one of the top 
well, he might be one of the top lyricists of the 90s, but he's not going to be the top lyricist of the 90s. So I don't think it's fair to oust the top lyricist of the late of the 80s out for somebody who's in the same column as him. So same scenario with Will Smith. Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap. I do remember that Rakim and Cool G Rap were close to getting sevens. Will Smith was not. Will Smith was barely a six and a half. So I will go out and say that Rakim and Cool G Rap were definitely better lyricists than Will Smith, but not by a wide enough margin to get to that seven just quite yet the way that Lord Finesse or KRS-One were. But Rakim and Cool G Rap are listed behind Will Smith because Will Smith was the first person out to get that score. So now the two additions that we had today, we added Lord Finesse who's tied for first and we added Everlast. They were obviously not in the prior 10% lyrical list because they just came out. We just covered them today. So with those two additions to the list, Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, Guru, and Freddie Fox got knocked out of the top 10% lyrical list for now. So we'll see if they can work their way back in there a little further down the line because as we stay at 10% but cover more and more people, there's going to be a little bit more people there listed. So if the people that we start to cover go in there, then we're probably not going to see any of those guys back. But if the next five or 10 people that we cover don't make that top 10%, you're probably going to see those guys hop back in there. So just wanted to point that out. Now going forward with the rest of season two and season three and season four and things like that, we're going to always change this podcast around a little bit. So, you know, we had the song breakdown in every episode in, in season one. We're not doing that in season two. I don't know what will go on in season three or season four. We'll tweak things as we go along. We'll make the podcast as best as it possibly can be. I'm always down to hear feedback from whatever you guys think, constructive criticism. I actually greatly appreciate that stuff, whether it's positive or negative. So hit me with it. I could take it. I would like for it to be as good as it can be, and without me knowing what's wrong with it, I can't fix the problem. So as we go along and get more rappers done, I'm going to start to include like a lot of other random little lists that we'll do. It will just be cool, interesting little things. Like we'll do a top five from the 80s so that we just don't forget the top couple of guys from the 80s as we go forward and get into like the 2000s and things like that. We'll also do a top five from the 90s and stuff. Now, obviously, I got to get through X amount of people in the 90s to be able to start doing a top five from the 90s. I'm not going to be stupid and just say Lord Finesse and Everlast right now in the beginning of this show. But those lists will be on top of the overall list that we do because I I do want to keep going down in percentage but continually still listing your top, you know, 10, 15, 20 guys overall. So we just know who's at the top of the pack. But I want to include these other little lists too. You know, we've had the lyrical one going on for a while now. We're going to keep that. Um, at some point, I would like to get a top female list going on. But we definitely need to cover more females to start doing that. Um, as we really get geographically a lot further around and get a lot more artists from a lot different places. I would like to do just really maybe like the top MC from each, uh, maybe each state or something like that. I think that would be cool. So I I just want to show different aspects. And I want to give everybody a chance to to shine, quite frankly. Because everybody that's in this podcast or in this study is all in here for a reason. 
You got guys that are not great lyrically, like, you know, the Beastie Boys and, and some people like that. But they made the cut. There's a reason why. There's, they deserve to be in here. And they didn't even finish that low, considering how poor they were lyrically. So there's a reason why everybody's in here. And although I deem lyrics to be most important, again, that's my bias and that's my personal opinion and personal preference. And I... I don't want any of that to come into the scoring, but I don't really want too much of that to come into my podcast or my list either. So right now, I don't think we have enough things done to make all these other lists just yet. It's just really the lyrical one that I feel like we can cover right now, but I just want to let you guys know that different things will be coming. We will be doing a whole bunch of things. We'll be adding things on. We'll be adding segments. We'll be taking things away. So it's going to change. It's going to grow. It's going to progress and stuff like that. But we're still going to continue the same formula, same pattern, same program here. We're trying to get to the bottom of who the overall top MC of all time is. And quite frankly, I would like to see who the best lyricist of all time is too. I'm pretty, pretty fucking hyped about that. Now... If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast. If you go to the host site, which is www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes, both of those links, everything is spelt normally. There's a donate button on my anchor profile. I would greatly appreciate anybody that hits it. And if you don't hit it, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Obviously appreciate anybody who does that. Appreciate everybody tuning in and stuff like that. And uh, that's pretty much it, man. I mean, that's the that's the introduction into the 90s right there. I thought that was a hell of a start for the 90s, man. I mean, right off the bat, we got one guy. One guy makes the, the, the top 15% final list. Both guys make the top 10% lyrically. Solid finishes from both guys there. So a couple of cool things couple cool things that happened here today and uh i'm just hyped that we're back in here man i mean i i can't say that i'm excited for the amount of time that this takes up out of my life because that's definitely time consuming and uh, a bit tedious but i'm really fucking hyped to get to the end result I'm, I'm hyped to see the end result and i'm hyped to just have the end result sitting in this vault so that long after I'm done, anybody can always just go back and listen and see, yo, where did this guy finish? Now, obviously, the longer that time goes on, the more obsolete that this is going to become. Come 2035 or something like that, you're going to have 10 guys that might be in your top 50 that were not even out when I did this. So there would be, have, you know, no way for me to have been covered them. Um, Maybe somebody else will continue on the legacy one day, and in uh, you know 2045 they'll pick up where I left off and start some new shit. Who the fuck knows? But mine, mine will always be there. So next week we got a tribe called Quest. Now I'm not gonna say too much about this, but I know a lot of people who speak very highly of this group. So to me personally, this is a pretty intriguing one to see what we get next week. So. That's the 90s intro, man. Welcome to the motherfucking 90s as we continue on in the golden era of hip-hop. It's fucking here. I will see you next week for episode two. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well. <laughs>